Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast. I'm Luke Edwards and this is our latest look at the women's game from the Champions League to the National League. Coming up, the Red Devils are top of the Christmas tree as Robins are left red-faced. The Toffees are choked by Arsenal and Fishlock nets a couple to scare off the Seagulls. And joining me this week to look back at the action, we have football reporter and media officer at Crawley Wasps. It's Andrew Rayburn. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Luke. And he's back after a break. It is our freelance journalist, uh, Mittel Samji. Hi, Mittel. Hi, Luke. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, good for you to be back with us. And and also, as always, it is former FA and Aston Villa media officer, Emily Lyles. Hi, Emily. Hi, Luke. Great to have you on the mic. Thank you. Last one, last pod of the year um, before Christmas as well. In midweek, it was the second leg of the last 32 Champions League ties. Uh, you can hear my at-the-match experience as I went to the Academy Stadium last Wednesday to see Manchester City's second leg against Gothenburg. Subscribe now via iTunes and Spotify and you can hear all of that. It was a good week for the English sides, though, as Manchester City and Chelsea both claimed 3-0 home victories to win comfortably. City beating Gothenburg, as I just mentioned, and Chelsea beating Benfica and to win 5-1 and 8-0 on aggregate, respectively. For Chelsea, it was two goals from Bethany England and one from Sam Kerr on a European debut, which secured the victory. We mentioned last week that we thought Chelsea were maybe England's best hope in this competition. Would you agree with that? I think I would actually, Luke. I think they've shown so far, haven't they, with the results they've got, that they're pretty imperious when they get going, um, pretty consistent as well in the league, which, you know, is another plus point for them, I guess, when they go into Europe. And I, I just get a real sense from them at the moment that they're really determined to win that Champions League. You know, it's obviously something that that, that a lot of them don't have in their trophy cabinet and I think, you know, it's a huge, huge incentive for that group of players. You mentioned Sam Kerr, their first European goal, Bethany England, top quality. I think, I guess, you know, the likes of Man City might argue a little bit against that. But in terms of consistency and in terms of where the clubs are at the moment, yes, I'd say Chelsea probably are our, our best shot right now. So, Andrew, with the likes of Sam Kerr and Peniel Harder added to their ranks, they do have the weapons now, don't they, to really challenge elite clubs in Europe? Certainly, they'll be. Uh, I mean, they've always been taken very seriously by the the very top clubs. But obviously, to have the attacking talent that they do in terms of adding, you know, Peniel Harder and as you say, Sanka to their ranks, you know, it really does sharpen up the top end of the pitch for for, for, for Chelsea. Um, they linked up very well, the two of them in in in, in sinking Brighton the other day. Um, I think, obviously, you know, the, there are teams who are just that little bit step ahead. I mean, Leon fairly obviously, but it's, it's all about, yeah, I think you're right that the strength of Chelsea um, has improved greatly in that, in that forward area. They've got a lot of options that they can use. Uh, and I think that's important as well that you, you, you know, when you look to the bench, when you're able to rotate for, for, for league games before you play the European games, uh, you've got players who can operate in different styles as well as well. I think that's important. Um, because you do come up against different uh, game styles in Europe, different uh, types of playing, different ways of playing the game in Europe, maybe to the WSL, which I still have a little bit of um, sometimes harem scare of 100 mile an hour stuff. 
Um, so, yeah, I think Chelsea are perhaps the most continental of the teams in, in the WSL. And I think that's what holds them in, in, in good stead. Uh, one team we didn't get through were Glasgow City. They reached the quarterfinals last season, but having trailed 2-1 from the first leg, they lost to a single Lucy Martin Clover goal at Broadwood. The Czech side were also reduced to 10 men and Scott Booth's side also had a goal disallowed in the first half when Tyler Toland's 30-yard strike was charged off by Portuguese referee Silvia Andrea Rosa Domingos. And it's the first time since 2017 that City have failed to reach the last 16, although the game was shrouded in controversy amid accusations of spitting by the Czech players. Emily, this will feel like a failure for Glasgow, won't it? Especially after their record of recent years. It certainly will do. And I suppose one thing you could say is it has been a bit of a funny year. The fact that last season's competition got finished later on and then obviously we've come into the new season and then there's more games and, and obviously all the challenges that go along generally with, with COVID. But yeah, I think you're right. I think they will feel like it's an opportunity missed right now. Um, and, it, and it's probably a surprise to a lot of people as well that have followed the Champions League and followed Glasgow's fate over recent years and, and they probably would have expected them them to progress. But yeah, I'm sure they'll be very, very disappointed. Also through our last year's winners in Lyon, the beaten finalist Wolfsburg as well as PSG, and Bayern Munich. And the biggest winners on aggregate were Rosengard women who beat poor old Lanchkuti women 17-0 on aggregate. Let's move on to domestic matters now. And in the WSL, only 50% of the games were played this weekend. Manchester City's game at Birmingham was called off due to a waterlogged pitch, whilst positive COVID tests saw Chelsea versus Tottenham and West Ham versus Villa fall by the wayside. Manchester United did play, though, and this mean this meant that they could extend their lead at the top of the table, which they duly did. Their visitors were bottom side at Bristol City, and they were brushed aside 6-1 as they extended their lead at the top by four points. A pair of goals apiece from Leah Galton and Tobin Heath, plus strikes from Millie Turner and Jess Sigsworth saw the home side claim a comfortable victory, while Ebony Salmon scored the consolation goal for Bristol so we mentioned last week it'd be a tough task for Bristol City going there and so it proved and I guess it was never really in doubt once Bolton had scored was it? No there was no any doubt at all I mean given the quality that United have up front um, you can see their goals will galore and they will score goals that's not a problem for them um, and we must give credit for Casey Stoney's side because the, um, they're up there for the challenge and they're putting teams into into the test now. Like, for example, we've seen Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City normally on the test for the title of a WSL title in recent seasons. But now Manchester United have emerged. So um, there's going to be a good mix for these seasons in terms of the title race. And it clearly shows that. But there's still plenty to play for and all, all the teams in the, in the top half have got to face each other. So... Um, it's make or break now, coming towards the second half of the season, coming to the new year. Yeah, Manchester United are a juggernaut this season, bulldozing all before them. When I spoke to Gareth Taylor on Wednesday, he did say that the WSL was important to them, as was the Champions League. But could he be forgiven for having one eye on Europe now? As even if they win their game in hand, they're still five points behind Man United, aren't they? Yeah, I don't think uh, I, I don't think any uh, Manchester City team would want to uh, let Manchester United get away with anything in 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 in, in either side of the game. Um, I mean, yes, obviously, if their WSL challenge looks like uh, floundering, then I imagine Europe will be the focus. Uh, but City have the the, the the depth in squad to to try and focus on both. Um, they've got to improve. Um, their form, they've got to try and sort of, I mean, they're doing okay, but they've got to try and match with the teams 
that are ahead of them. Obviously, we talked about Manchester United. Um, you know, I mean, Arsenal, if they win their game in hand City, they'll be a point behind Arsenal. I mean, played the same number of games, but Chelsea and Man United, of course, haven't lost this season. But as uh, Mitchell said earlier, they've all got to play each other and stuff like that. So um, it's going to be those games against the teams around them that where Manchester City can make their games. Once they do that, and then they'll be right in the mix again. Yeah, as for Bristol City, minus 39 goal difference for them this season. Now, Arsenal recovered from that last-minute defeat at Manchester City last weekend by bouncing back against Everton. There was four different scorers for the Gunners. Jordan Nobb, Caitlin Ford, Jem Beattie and Beth Mead helped them to victory. The Toffees stay fifth, but have taken just two points from five matches now after winning their opening four and Mittal, you watched this game, didn't you? And it was really important for Arsenal to bounce back after last week's result, wasn't it? It was extremely important for Arsenal to bounce back because they were in kind of a mixed form uh, prior to the game. So they won like they they won even one out of their four WSL games. So it was very important for them to really end this year on a high and getting the three points. Um, it was quite of a shock for me personally when I saw the team news when there was no media mark starting, but it didn't prove to be a problem because um, they shined through all, in in every aspect of the game and they quality. And they showed quality all the way through the game, through the game, and they digged in early, and they ended the year on a high. Um, there were like injury concerns, I would say, that impacted like um, John Montemuro's decision um, to kind of like rotate the team slightly because the games are coming thick and fast now, and especially with, with the COVID uh, situation we're all living in, um, games are just like coming like two. Most teams are playing like two, three times in a week, so it's very important that they can rotate this, rotate the team as well, and. His decision really paid off because they've played with um, flea-throwing football and, and created clear-cut chances. So it's kind of paid dividends. Um, just as a fact as well that even though the last season WSL campaign didn't really didn't get completed, the straight away got halted due to the COVID-19 pandemic, Arsenal are now four goals, sh- four, four goals short from last season's tally. So um, they only need another four goals to surpass that tally. So... Um, there's no problems in terms of scoring goals for them, even though like we know about Biedemar's quality and, and about the influence she has in the team. For moving forward, I think squad rotation is definitely going to be key from John Montemiro's side because um, they've already now played two more games um, than Chelsea and one more against City. So their record against the outside top six is it's or the so-called top six is exceptional. Like they've not endured a defeat since their um, three-nil defeat to Birmingham in April 2018. Um, an all-round performance. It was an all-round performance, and like Jordan, Jordan Nobbs was magnificent. Um, she opened the scoring, and Yosha provided a really long, long ball behind for um, Beth Mead to really score a wonderful effort or a curling effort, I would say. Uh, for Jeff Beatty, it was a proud moment for her, and the team really got together and um, to support, her, especially uh, with her battle with um, breast cancer. So moving forward, every game is going to count now, and um, they will continue to keep pushing. Yeah, you mentioned Jen Beatty there. It was really nice to see her get on the score sheet, wasn't it, after that announcement that she made last week? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, it's kind of give the team much more of like a moral boost, I could see, when um, within like both on and off the dressing room. And it definitely must, um, must be given much needed confidence to really um, battle, battle, battle breast cancer and, and uh, wish her a really speedy recovery and, and a happier outcome for her. And in terms of Everton, how much are they missing Valerie Golvan and Claire Emsley, do you think? Oh, they didn't really create much other than they had the, um, they hit the crossbar when one of their substitutes came on. Um, so 
they one of their key key players are, are are missing, and I think they they didn't really create clear cut chances at all. It was all about Arsenal, and they kind of like bossed the game from minute one to minute ninety. So, um, but don't get me wrong, um, Everton knocked a few teams out prior to the game, and um, and they went on the run for the FA Cup FA Cup final from last season. So, hope, hopefully, they can able to push on as well and uh, try and climb up a little bit in the climb a little bit higher in the WSL table. And the final game we will look at in the WSL is Reading's 3-1 victory at Brighton. Uh, this was live on BT Sport. And two goals from Jess Fishlock and an injury time goal from Rachel Rowe ended any hopes of a Brighton comeback after Inessa Kagerman had equalised from the penalty spot after Ellie Brazil had been fouled by Diana Cooper, which I know Karen Carney felt that Cooper could have seen a red for. So we've spoken about Reading this season a lot, haven't we, Andrew? And along with Everton, they're probably the best of the rest, won't we? Yeah, and we've we've often said that that, that Reading obviously are capable of 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 spoiling things for the for the bigger clubs. They're also very astute at picking up points uh, against the teams that are sort of around and about them. I mean, you know, they've beaten um Brighton uh this weekend. They, you know, they've they've picked up some some good points elsewhere. Uh, I was going to say that was an important victory over important victory over Brighton because that somebody will look to challenge them for that top five spot, won't they? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think Brighton still probably have they've 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 improved. Uh, I think they they've still lacking lacking in some areas, particularly the goal scoring. Um, you know, there is a lack of firepower um, consistently for Brighton. Really, um, Reading just have a little bit more about them. Got a little bit more experience. Yes, they should be sort of contending as the best of the rest in that sort of mid-table um, area. Obviously, uh, Birmingham and, and, and Spurs are kind of up there as well. Um, Brighton probably won't be looking over their shoulders because I think Bristol City probably are are, are doomed in a, in a way. But um, certainly, I think Hope Power will want to get more from her team going forward. They've got some good players, some good technical technicians in there. But they lack uh, an out and out goal scorer, um, and they lack goal scoring options in in from midfield as well, really. So they've got to try and improve that tally. I mean, it's only seven goals, I think, in ten games, um, which is the second lowest in the division. So really, um, Albion have to, uh, to 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 improve in that area if they're to challenge teams like Reading. I mean, I saw in the last few minutes of that game they had a lot of possession. Um, but they were struggling with the final ball, and 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 that is you know is a, is a, is a big problem for them. Well, we'll move on and look at the championship next. You probably think you're pretty good at multitasking behind the wheel. I mean, you have to multitask to drive. So what's wrong with checking your phone? The thing is, your brain simply doesn't work. For quick reply, affects your concentration, and makes you less able to react to hazards. If you use a mobile phone while driving, you're four times more likely to crash. Think. Put your phone away. And in the championship, it was a reversal of the fixtures played on the opening day of the season. And on that day, Durham set the stall out by claiming a point at Liverpool. Uh, and this time it was Liverpool who travelled up to the northeast, and they beat the promotion hopefuls on Sunday to remain unbeaten, albeit one point behind Leicester who won at Blackburn, which we'll get on to later on. But Emily, what a result again for Durham. I know, they just keep producing, don't they, Luke? I mean, that's one of those games where you look at, and to use a very cliché term, it's it, it really is a six-pointer. If you win that, it really does put you in a strong position, not just points-wise, but also psychologically as well. And yeah, they're, 
they're a fantastic side. They're a very consistent side as well, aren't they? And, you know, it's great to see. And that's certainly a result that I think even even people that don't follow the league too closely or don't follow the game too closely would see that and recognise, oh, actually, you know, that, that that's pretty significant. Absolutely, yeah. And um, we'll see it again. Can they be the main challenges to Leicester, do you think, Durham? Well, what, what I would say is that, I mean, all the time they've got uh, Beth Heppel in 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 form from midfield they've, they've they've always got a chance but the 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 key thing for Durham is i mean they are rather like a couple of teams in the in the super league they are uh, unbeaten this season um but i think it's it's their home form which tends to uh tends to be their sort of their strong card um those early those those 12 o'clock kickoffs and those long uh, trips to some of the other teams as well probably uh, uh, helps them in that in that regard but uh, certainly Durham as emily says are able to produce when it matters most, if you like, and they are able to produce in those key um, key moments, especially at home. I mean, I'm I'm looking actually through their home results. I, you know, they haven't lost at home in in a little while. I think uh, Blackburn were the last team to to, to 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 get a result at Durham, and that was uh, over a year ago. So I think all, all the time they're producing at home and they're getting grinding out results on the road. Um, yeah, of course they're going to have a chance. Uh, and Leicester, Leicester score a lot of goals. Um, but I tell you what, if, uh, if 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 Durham continue the way they are, then they will be the main challengers. And certainly, I mean, they're four points out of Liverpool already now. Yeah, they are. And they're one point behind Leicester, who are top of the division at Christmas. And it was an entertaining game up at Bamber Bridge, where they beat Blackburn Rovers by three goals to two. And uh, Tasha Flint, she scored against them on the opening day against her old club. And she scored once again on Sunday to get a 10th goal of the season and, and Leicester are probably now the favourites to go up, aren't they? Even though we just talked about Durham. Yeah. I mean, Leicester, as I said, you know, have, have got goals in them. Um, the, 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 the key thing would be what, that they don't drop silly points. I mean, obviously I think their only defeat has come to London city lionesses who at that time weren't doing particularly very well. So, um, you know, and, and there's the, the game, I think it's in February, where they um, they go to Durham. That, I mean, that's going to be the fact that Durham have that home game against Leicester. Um, that's going to be the big one. Um, so, but it's not all about that because you won't expect both of them to, to, to just be winning every single week. The, the championship isn't like that. Leicester have won eight out of 11, but they could easily drop points in, in, in forthcoming games. Um, the Foxes, especially, I think, as the we get to the other side of Christmas, Christmas is that focal point. The other side of Christmas, you suddenly start to see that uh, that winning post on the horizon a little bit. You shouldn't. You should still concentrate on game by game. But they, they've got to go to Liverpool um, early on in the new year, Leicester. Um, there's that trip to Durham. Um, Sheffield United are the next opponents, and that, they, you know they're a very good side. Um, there's some difficult trips uh, away from home, so we just have to see what happens with Leicester. But uh, they're certainly looking the strongest of the sides. Yeah, Mittal, as Alex Ferguson once said, it's a squeaky bum time, isn't it? And like Andrew said, the closer someone like Durham maybe can see the bright lights of the WSL, the more it might start to play on the mind a little bit. Indeed. I mean, I remember covering Durham when I went, when I covered, when they beat Coventry 4 3. Um, there was always something, something special about them that they can, even they don't play well, they can get wins, they can score goals, they know they can bounce back and fight hard. Especially when they were, especially when they were like three one down at the time and from half time, and to really bounce back, 
to win four fields just was one of the best comebacks we've ever seen. It was one of the best champion w, um, women's championship games I've ever covered. So, um, yes, they, they do play strong football and they've got some togetherness and resilience in uh, in them. So they'll be up there um, towards, towards the end of the season for a place in the Women's Super League, for, for no doubt at all. In the other games in the championship, is a, you mentioned about silly results, Andrew. Well, Sheffield United, another draw for them at home, this time against the London City Lionesses. Yeah, uh, I mean, again, Sheffield United dropping points. They've uh, Similar in the sense, again, to the Super League, where if you, you know, the, the, the top couple of sides, are, you know, are, are flying in terms of, you know, making sure they're converting draws into wins. Sheffield United are kind of doing the opposite. They've only lost two out of 11 games. They've scored 20. They've conceded eight. You go, right, well, that's pretty good. Uh, but they're seven points off the leaders. And the reason they're seven points off the leaders is because of the other nine games they've drawn four. And again, at home to London City, who are, you know are capable on their day, they've got a very good squad, um, then you know they, they, they would still have been favourites to that match. Um, the previous game, previous week, they drew at Blackburn. You know, they've had a home draw with Lewis, again, a, a team that we would have on paper expected to have beaten. And I think maybe there's just a little bit of a hangover from last season where they were pushing Villa uh, for most of the season. Uh, and maybe now they're a little bit frustrated that they're not able to keep pace with Leicester, Durham and indeed Liverpool as well, of course. So, you know, Sheffield United not fulfilling the promise they showed last season in, in, in many ways. Yeah, good point though for London City Lionesses. They've really picked up, haven't they, since the, the change of management? Yeah, obviously through no fault of of you know their their own or or, or indeed Lisa Fallon's really uh, to that that change of manager. But uh, yeah, I mean they're, they're uh, defensively obviously they've Im- uh, improved there with a, a good clean sheet against uh, Sheffield United, a clean sheet uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago against uh, against Coventry United as well. So they'll be pleased with that. The back four. Um, because I think they conceded in most other games uh, apart from that. Um, narrow loss against Liverpool, where they're in the game for most of it as well. Um, home to Crystal Palace when they resume in the new year. That's going to be an important game for them. Uh, they go to London Bees as well um, before taking on Blackburn and Durham. So uh, there, there are there are points out there for uh, for, for London City um, uh, and Melanie if they can uh, if they can take them. Yeah, and Emily, the final game in the Championship. There was only four games. This week, and we mentioned Coventry United, and Mittel mentioned it before, and we spoke about it last week, where they were three-one up against Durham and ended up losing by four goals to three. Well, they bounced back and got a good draw away at London Bees. Yes, they did, Luke, and I think you know that that's something that they needed. I think you look at their results across the season, and they've probably been a little bit unlucky to be on the wrong end of of some defeats. So their sort of loss column probably looks a lot worse than it should do. But yeah, I think certainly to pick up a point away from home is always good, whatever league you're in, whatever level you play at. And and I'm sure they'll be pleased to do that and, and gain some momentum heading into the new year. Yeah, and it's really tight as well. At the bottom of the Championship, Charlton are currently occupying that relegation zone spot on five points. But they do have two games in hand on London Bees and Coventry United, who are above them two points clear. So in the National League, it's been a bit up and down uh, certainly over the last few weeks. And uh, there was no games in the Southern Premier Division at all, was there, Andrew? But there was three in the Northern Premier Division. 
There were indeed, yeah, obviously, uh, the new Tier 4 affecting the, the, the Southern Division and, and, and wiping out all of the matches uh, there. In the north, Huddersfield Town are uh, six points clear of Fylde, although Fylde have two games in hand. That's after Huddersfield beat Middlesbrough uh, by three goals to two. Uh, West Brom are third after they beat Nottingham Forest at 2-1. And there was a victory for Sheffield, 3-1 away at Hull City. So that's... Uh, uh, a good result for Sheffield uh, lifts them out of the, uh, the, the the relegation zone. Uh, it's only their second league win of the season um, and uh, dumps uh, Hull below them into uh, second from bottom. Loughborough Foxes, who didn't play, are the bottom side and they're the team without a win. Yeah, and obviously we mentioned about the first round of the FA Cup last week. There was a couple of outstanding fixtures. Unfortunately, Kent football ladies was postponed against Enfield Town again due to the restrictions, I think. Uh, but when Town ladies, they did play against Boldmere St. Michael's women and they won by four goals to three. So they now move into the second round of the competition. So the we haven't really mentioned it in the podcast this season, but the Conti Cup is starting to hot up now and we're getting to that quarter-final stage, aren't we? We are indeed, yeah. Uh, the big tie that was drawn out in on uh, on, on, on BT Sport on, uh, on Saturday was uh, Manchester City against Chelsea. Um, the other tie is Bristol City against Aston Villa. West Ham against Durham. And that's going to be an interesting test for, for, for Durham, actually. We'll talk about them just now. And also a bit, another good uh, a game for, for, for Leicester City because they've been drawn away at Crystal Palace in the, uh, the quarter-finals of the Conti Cup. And also... Um couple of other pieces of news. Alex Morgan, it's been announced that she's going to go back to America. They aren't extending the loan deal. And has it been a waste of time, do you think? I mean, it's certainly been a good marketing exercise. She's just about got fit, hasn't she? She scored in the last couple of games, but now she's going back. Um, Has it been a success or not? I think, Luke, the difficulty is it's she just hasn't had the game time, has she, for various reasons. Appreciate she's coming back after... You know, having a child, moving to a new country, et cetera, et cetera. And, and obviously wasn't involved in the early games. Um, but I can certainly say from having seen her in their game against Brighton, she was very much on form, look fit, look completely committed to the cause, although you wouldn't expect anything less. And yeah, I, I think in some respects, I guess if you look at it from a marketing point of view, I'd probably say it has been a success because the talk that surrounded it, not just when she when she signed, but also, you know, when is she going to play? When are we going to see her? And and again, from my own experience of, of seeing her firsthand and seeing the excitement, it just happened to fall on the game where Tottenham could first welcome fans back. And again, there weren't a great number of people in there, but there were a good number of Alex Morgan banners in there and support for her as an individual, as well as the team. So, yeah, it's a bit of a tricky one to answer, I suppose. On paper, when you look at minutes played, goals scored, some people might say not. But again, if the desired effects to grow the game, to help, I guess, from a personal point of view for her to do as well as she can for Tottenham, build up some more fitness, play in another country, play in another league, then yeah, I guess I guess it has been a success. There was a, and obviously Ashton Villa have announced that they've signed the Japan international ca- captain, Mana Iwabuche. She's going to join the Super League club in January. Yeah, very good signing for Villa, a very technical player, um, a lot of caps, a lot of goals uh, for Japan, as you say, formerly of Bayern Munich, uh, spent a, a period there, um, and obviously she's building up to uh, 
to, to, to the Tokyo Olympics, obviously, where Japan will uh, will, will be among the favourites. So, yeah, very exciting uh, signing for, for, for Villa. Looking forward to seeing her join the WSL in the new year. And there was just one other bit of news uh, that's uh, broken on this uh, uh, Monday. Uh, Charlton Athletic have announced that uh, life president um, of the Charlton women, Alan Watts, had died. Uh, he was uh, granted the honour the uh, in September 2018 in recognition of his huge support for uh, for the Charlton women's uh, section, um, supporter home and away for a long time, and uh, made a various financial contributions to them as well. So uh, Charlton women just sadly announcing that uh, life president uh, Alan Watts has died, which is a, a real sad, uh, real sad news for them. Yeah, and we're passing our condolences to them from all of us here. Well, guys, that is it. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, to review the last weekend of the Women's Super League for this year. All that's left for me to say is have a great Christmas, have a great New Year, and don't forget to subscribe to us via iTunes and Spotify.